He who saves one life saves the world entire. And the most important life to save is your own. After all, it's the place where you have the most power. So join shadow worker and trauma therapist Laura Giles each week on It's Not You, It's Me. We'll uncover what's in shadow and learn the things you need so you can heal yourself, grow yourself, know yourself, love yourself, be yourself, and share yourself. If you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, it's time to drop the self-sabotage and limiting beliefs. A healthy, abundant, connected life is an option. Choose it. Subscribe. And let's start manifesting it. When I was a child, I loved reading fairy tales, especially the ones about the princess who falls in love in an instant and is somehow rescued by a prince and lives happily ever after. That's the diet that we are fed as children. And as romantic as it sounds, that's a setup for failure because that's not love. That's not life. I'm so glad that I had different examples of what love is in real life because we're taught how to love. It's not something that happens to us. It's a way of moving in the world. It's a way of being. So my podcast today, I'm going to ask you, are you a good lover? At the end of it, I think you'll know. And if that answer is a no, I'm going to invite you to let go of the barriers that block the love that flows abundantly all around us and let your love flow. Hi, I'm Laura Giles. Let It Go Now podcast is all about helping people let go of the things that stand in the way of happiness, success, and meaningful relationships. When we remove all the baggage, the road ahead flows freely and easily, and we can be our authentic selves. If you like the podcast, please subscribe and review us on iTunes or wherever you're listening, because it helps us improve our ratings so that others can find us too. So let's just start the conversation on love by listening to what Khalil Gibran has to say about it in his poem on love. He wrote, then said Almitra, speak to us of love. And he raised his head and looked upon the people and there fell a stillness upon them. And with a great voice, he said, when love beckons to you, follow him, though his ways are hard and steep. And when his wings enfold you, yield to him, though the sword hidden among his pinions may wound you. And when he speaks to you, believe in him, though his voice may shatter your dreams as the north wind lays waste the garden. For even as love crowns you, so shall he crucify you. Even as he is for your growth, so is he for your pruning. Even as he descends to your height, and caresses your tenderest branches that quiver in the sun, so shall he descend to your roots and shake them in their clinging to the earth. Like sheaves of corn, he gathers you unto himself. He threshes you to make you naked. He sifts, he sifts you to free you from your husks. He grinds you to whiteness. He kneads you until you are pliant. And then he assigns you to his sacred fire that you may become sacred bread for God's sacred feast. All these things shall love do unto you that you may know the secrets of your heart and in that knowledge become a fragment of life's heart. 
But if in your fear you would seek only love's peace and love's pleasure, then it is better for you to cover your nakedness and pass out of love's threshing floor into the seasonless world where you should laugh, but not all of your laughter, and weep, but not all of your tears. Love gives naught but itself and takes naught but from itself. Love possesses not, nor would it be possessed, for love is sufficient unto love. When you love, you should not say, God is in my heart, but rather, I am in the heart of God. And think not, you can direct the course of love, for love, if it finds you worthy, directs your course. Love has no desire but to fulfill itself. But if you love and must needs have desires, let these be your desires, to melt and be like a running brook that sings its melody to the night, to know the pain of too much tenderness, to be wounded by your own understanding of love, and to bleed willingly and joyfully, to wake at dawn with a winged heart and give thanks for another day of loving, to rest at the noon hour and meditate love's ecstasy, to return home at eventide with gratitude, and then to sleep with a prayer for the beloved in your heart and a song of praise upon your lips. That's what I'm talking about. For most of us, that is not what we're doing, is it? (laughs) If you're going to fall in love, you really need to know a little something about what love is. You need to erase the fairy tale notion that love is about being swept off your feet, sitting back and eating bonbons for the rest of your life. It's rough, emotional, heart-wrenching, and destructive. It's also insanely vivifying. Taking on love takes immense courage. Each time you feel something new, whether it's desirable or undesirable, let yourself imagine one of the spokes on that journey. Even the hard ones. Yearn for it. Welcome it. Because in that space of gratitude, you'll be fully alive. And that's when we shine our brightest. Now that you know what love is, choose it. Choose to let it come into your heart without judgment. It doesn't have to be wrapped in a certain package. It doesn't have to last any particular amount of time. Let it surprise you. When it knocks, say yes. If it comes on soft rays of sunlight streaming through the leaves in the morning, let it take your breath away. If it's the sweet smell of chocolate truffles beckoning you, take a bite. Surrender. Invitations to love are all around us. Love doesn't just happen between people. It doesn't come only when it's convenient. If we want more of it, we have to see it when it arrives and let it in. Want a suggestion on how to practice that? Start your day by looking in the mirror. Not with critical eyes, but with loving ones. See your vulnerabilities, past history, wrinkles, mistakes, and send love to them all. Your life path is not something to hide. It's part of who you are and what makes you unique and beautiful. Love it. So send love to yourself. Love exists here, now, today. It's not in the past. Love's not waiting for you somewhere out there. It's right here, right now. You don't have to do anything to get it. It's already here. So be here. Love what's here. Delight in what you bring to it. Do you like making things pretty? Dress it up. Do you like making things functional? Show your love in that way. 
Look around and spy what amazing things are already here that you can enjoy. As you look, you will see things that aren't awesome, lovely, or pretty. Accept them as they are. Don't try to change a thing. Not in yourself, not outside of yourself. If you can see love here, you can see it anywhere. This is a really valuable lesson because love doesn't need to have a calm, pleasant, beautiful, warm environment to live. It's everywhere. If you're not feeling love, give some. Love increases when you give it away. So give it away in your smile, your kindness, a song, a gift. You don't have to spend money to be loving. In fact, often bought gifts are less valuable than free ones. So why not make it a practice to give away three heartfelt compliments per day and see how your life changes. Find something wonderful three times a day and verbally acknowledge them with a, what a pretty voice you have, or a, you are so thoughtful. Falling in love is easy. Staying there takes practice. So practice giving it away in small increments until your being just oozes with it. Love is something that we all are. To feel it, we have to just get out of the way. If this isn't your way of being yet, don't worry. Your DNA is embedded with it. You are created with it. All you have to do is remember. So let's go on that journey back in time. Remember when you were just a wee baby? You held up your hands in wonder looking at them, turning them over, moving them, gazing at the lines in your skin. They fascinated you. When you realized that you can make a spit bubble, you pressed your lips blue and felt the bubble grow. You laughed when the bubble burst and then did it all over again, remember? Now take that sm same childlike wonder that you were born with and turn it to the space around you, wherever you are right now. Look at it with those eyes. Let that same open-minded curiosity see everything without judgment or expectation. Let yourself be delighted. Don't stop with just the beautiful and obvious things like giant perfumed flower blossoms. Let the small, shy, and ugly brighten and inspire you. Appreciate the dancing bumblebee, the hairy tarantula, the garbage spinning down the street in the wind, the smell of toast and the soiled alcoholic who is asleep in the doorway. These are the things that life is made out of. These are the building blocks of poetry. See this magic being woven all around you. Love it. Bless it with your eyes. When you do that long enough, love will live within you. It will spill from your cracks so that your light shines so brightly. You won't be able to help yourself from giving it away. If someone tries to take it away or put it out, you can say with ease, that's okay, I have more. Love is you. It can't be separated from you. All you have to do is remember. Find the thing that brings it out in you and nurture it. For me, it was spiritual travel. When we went to the Amazon uh, Peru trip, I wrote a piece that I'll share with you that I called, I went to Peru and fell in love to show you what that process is like. I went to Peru and fell in love. No, not with a person, but with life. And perhaps myself a bit. It happened so gradually that I didn't even know that it was happening until I got back home. Peru makes you slow down. You can't hurry because of the altitude. There's not enough air to hurry. You can't breathe. And the steep uphill climbs encourage ambling. So you see more, feel more, experience more. 
and joy more. Perhaps falling in love happened while climbing to the sun gate at Olietantambo. The 15-kilometer round trip started on horseback, strolling along the Urubamba River while the Peru rail train went by. felt like I could be back in the Old West days. That didn't last long, though, because as the path quickly turned upward, my gaze was focused on what was just in front and beneath me than what was to the side. As my horse seemed to prefer the outer edge of what was always a narrow trail with a steep drop-off, I didn't spend too much time gazing outward. As we walked up the 14,000-foot summit, the scenery and weather changed drastically. It was as if we were moving through a whole year in a single day. The bushes turned to low grasses, the sunshine turned to clouds, and the wind brought in a fiercely cold rain off the glacier. Nature was in all her glory, and it was fabulous. The human remains in the cliffside served to remind me of the shortness of life. I was grateful that they were undisturbed by passers-by and slept in peace. There is nothing like feeling your smallness in the wild to help connect to the all that is. Or perhaps I fell in love in the Amazon jungle. Sun, sweat, bugs, rodents, piranhas, caimans, and monkeys ruled this place. It was clear that I was a trespasser who needed to be self-aware and move with respect here. There was no escaping the interconnectedness of life when I was being attacked by mosquitoes and could be pounced on by larger, more dangerous creatures at any time. Nothing could be taken for granted. Most of our food had to be brought in. Electricity wasn't available at all times. There were only cold showers. Darkness fell early. Some animals were waking and others were settling down for the night. Unlike our unnatural cycles in our modern urban lives, we followed suit. It felt like the most natural thing in the world. It felt like living. But maybe it was the night sky that stole my heart. The Southern Cross and Milky Way twinkled above, surrounded by a blaze of never-ending starlight. Everywhere you looked were bright stars, magical stars, that reminded me that somewhere out there was unimaginable life. It just went on forever. Such bigness, such expansion. Or it could have just been the rain, simple rain. It rains every day somewhere, but here it felt magical. You could feel the plants and air respond to the coming of the rain, the whole atmosphere enlivened and welcome for this wonderful bringer of life. There are no words for what the air felt like when the rains came. I reached out to touch it, but there was no need. It was all around me, soaking into my skin, feeding my spirit with its life-giving properties. Seeing nature in her unapologetic expression, I saw my own fragility and savage self and loved it. In Peru, I felt my innards, the everything around me, death, life, spirit. And here, I often feel alive and at one with nature. But not like this. Life is raw. In Peru, it's even more so. Here, I fell in love. I hope you get to experience that someday, too. So you see, nothing special needs to happen to walk in love. You don't need someone to sweep you off your feet. You don't need your heart to race or for someone to be wined and dined. Love is inside. You just have to let it blossom. I like to use the stereotypes to talk about energies because they're so universal. It doesn't matter what culture or time you're in. Everyone understands what you mean when you talk about archetypes. 
But one of the disturbing things that I've seen in modern culture is that we have taken the unhealthy side of archetypes and made them normal rather than seeing them as a spectrum. In Chinese medicine, there's only one disease. It's imbalance. There's either too much of something or too little. I love that idea because it keeps things so simple that anyone can understand it. The archetypes are the same. The energy of love is emotion, feeling, idealism, sensuality, and sexuality. Then the lover is one who expresses all of that. While I was in Peru, I walked in sensuality. I let myself feel everything, my emotions, the wind on my skin. My senses were heightened when the birds awakened with the morning sun and sang and called to each other. I lingered in bed just listening. When we ate exotic flavors that I was not accustomed to, I inhaled the spices and let the flavors dance in my mouth so the memory was imprinted in my soul and I can recall all the details right now. That's sensuality in its fullness. That's lover energy. The lover is alive. He savors what's here, whether it's desirable or not. And a lot of things I talked about in my article about Peru were not pleasant. It's hot in the Amazon. Moving through four seasons in the space of a few hours, particularly being blasted by glacial wind, is uncomfortable. So when that happens, lean into it. Life is a precious gift. Be here. Inspiration comes from this place. Like sex, it is a creative force that gives birth to new things. If I'm really present with working with herbs, I might get a brainstorm for a tincture that's really beneficial. If I'm really present with my oils, I could create a mandala that ends up being a beautiful expression of my soul. It could be anything. Love opens the door to majesty. The lover's appetite isn't just one for pleasure. It's one for all that life has to offer. Experiences, stimulating ideas, beauty. Of course, the ones that make us feel good are more rewarding, but the lover wants freedom to explore and takes meaning and purpose from the journey, not the outcome. The lover has the earth energy of sensuality, beauty, pleasure, and the body, the fire energy of passion and adventure, the water energy of emotions, and the air energy of inspiration and ideas. So he's whole. When he's not whole, we start to get that imbalance that I talked about. We learn to love from our parents. So our first lover is our mother. At some point, I will talk about the mother archetype because we're so out of healthy relationship with the mother. But for now, let me just say that we owe our survival to our mother when we're first born. We're helpless. We can't move very well, can't communicate, can't feed ourselves, can't protect ourselves, and can't clean ourselves. Everything we need, she has to provide. Now, I'm saying mother when I could be referring to our father, a grandparent, or someone else because I'm referring to the mother archetype more than a person or a gender. If she's responsive to our needs and comes when we cry, cleans us when we're wet or soiled, feeds us when we're hungry, and snuggles us to let us know we're loved, we feel safe. We learn to trust and love. We're ideally set up to express the lover archetype in healthy ways because the early interaction we had, we're safe. This allowed us to feel that we're important beings and helped us to connect with others. So the healthy lover definitely has an I'm okay, you're okay attitude and moves forward with respect and I for himself and others. He values relationships and know that they're a two-way street. If the mother is unreliable, the child develops what we call an anxious attachment style and doesn't trust. So sometimes she's responsive and caring and sometimes she's not. This results in a child who is also sometimey. 
Sometimes they avoid contact with the mother and sometimes they don't seem to care about it one way or the other. So he's not seeking out connection or pulling away, but once that contact is made, he can be clingy. This person has an I'm not okay, you're okay mindset and will go out of their way to make up for what they perceive as their not okayness. There are people pleasers and generally lack healthy boundaries and do a lot for others that they don't do for themselves. In my last example, mom was responsive sometimes. If mom ignores signs of distress, the child learns the same things. It's a, if you ignore me, I will ignore you type of thing because the child learns that he can't depend on people. This mom provides for food, shelter, and clothing, that type of thing, but can't or won't do the nurturing piece. This is the dismissive avoidant attachment style that's characterized by the I'm okay, you're not okay attitude. So this person learned to either not have needs or to rely on himself to meet his needs and doesn't trust you to do that. So they don't let other people in. They shut down their emotions and don't need anyone. These people are often referred to as old souls because they are mature early. In the disorganized attachment style, uh, this comes from trauma or abuse. It's sort of a blend of anxious attachment and dismissive avoidance styles in that sometimes you avoid, sometimes you're clingy, and sometimes you're in the people-pleasing mode. Now, I have a lot of clients who act this way and deny abuse. They were well-fed, had advantages in life, and weren't hit, so they don't understand why they behave this way. It's easy to see abuse when there's violence and sexual assault, but watching someone else be abused or living in a household with someone who has addiction issues is very destabilizing. So is name-calling and insults. So is gaslighting and mental health issues. This is why I did the podcast on narcissism. It's not just a difficult personality. It's soul-stealing. If you haven't listened to that one, check it out. When mom makes you feel like garbage, it has an impact on your self-esteem and your ability to love. This is the I'm not okay, you're not okay paradigm. I don't trust you, and I don't trust me. I want intimacy and relationship. I want it from you, but I have no trust. So I'm in, then I'm out. I love you, I hate you. I want you to get away from me, but I can't be alone. It's very hard on you and the person you're trying to connect with. You don't have to take notes on that. I've created a free infographic on attachment styles that I'll post in our private community in the MeWe page. And if you're a member, you can get that there. Or if you'd like a copy of it, just subscribe on the website at letitgonow.net and I'll send that to you. So love is one of the basic energies that we all need because many of the other archetypes can't be healthy if the lover isn't healthy. As I said before, the healthy love has the I'm good, you're good attitude. He cares for his own needs and your needs. There's reciprocity, equality, and a respect for everything and everyone's place in the world. So there are healthy boundaries. Love is given, it's received. Going back to the Chinese medicine theory of too much or too little, when there's too little love or energy, this is taking your ball and going home. It's like, I was disappointed in love, so I'm shutting the whole thing down. I'm stingy with love, you have to deserve it, I'm joyless and flat, nothing pleases me, I'm full of discipline and rules, maybe duty and obligation are my motivations, I do what I have to do rather than what I want to do, I'm probably full of shame and I'm prudish. In Chinese medicine, too much yin produces yang and too much yang produces yin, it's like a pendulum that goes back and forth, so in the extreme, all this discipline results in repression that could burst forth into hedonism or something like porn or sex addiction. 
When the lover's too much, we have the Casanova approach to life. In my opinion, this is one of the main things that plague Western culture. It's all about me. I want more, more, more. It's pure gluttony. It's the fear of missing out. I can't be satisfied with what I have because there could be something better, something more. We might call it self-improvement, but it's really about chasing something that will make us feel alive. We're chasing money, women, a glamorous lifestyle, social media followers, food, adventure, spiritual experiences, title, whatever. This is the person who has a great ambition, achieves it, and still feels empty inside, so he has to go do something else. Or it could be the person who has a lot of entrepreneurial ideas that never get off the ground, falls in love every other month with a new person who is the one, and then that relationship fizzles. They have all kinds of stuff around the house that they never use because their enthusiasm doesn't last long enough to follow through. Maybe all they have from their travels are a lot of impressive photos. They don't have any wonderful, meaningful memories. So they're chasing something. They're collectors of titles, money, stuff, experiences without having any underlying values, structure, or focus. They're doing without loving. What I mean is, let's say that Ralph and Joe are both on an entrepreneurial path where they are both bringing clean water to remote places. They both make tons of money doing this and have a more than comfortable lifestyle. But Ralph gets to know the people he's working to help. He involves them in improving their lives. He's emotionally invested in the outcome and feels deeply gratified when each product succeeds. He celebrates with the community that he helps. On the other hand, Joe is a businessman. It's about the bottom line. He is just as productive as Ralph, but Joe got into this because it was a good financial opportunity and would boost his image in the community. When he finishes a project, he does a photo op, puts that on his website, and is off to the next thing. Do you see the difference? There's no love in what Joe's doing. With Ralph, love underlies every step of what he's doing. So it's not the what, it's the why. But let's make this about sick, because that's what we've reduced love to in the West. We have a real messed up relationship with sex right now. When I was a kid, I didn't really say the word sex. Not because it was a taboo word, but because in my household, my parents always referred to it as lovemaking. So it was inconceivable to think of being with someone in that way without love. I use the word sex now because often that's what I'm talking about, like sex in the movies. There's no love in it. And I want to communicate accurately, right? When we reduce love to sex, we're missing so much that is meaningful. It's so indicative of our skip the journey and get to the goalpost Western attitude. That's about as fun as having sex to have an orgasm. And we all know people like that, don't we? If you're living for the orgasm, you're missing the point. I used to have clients all the time who were impatient to feel better. They didn't want to change their diet. That's boring. They didn't want to meditate. That's not producing anything. They didn't want to look at their lifestyle because they just wanted to feel better. Guess what, guys? Any sustainable change starts at the root. If you're not willing to change, you're not going to have any lasting happiness or joy in life because you can't plant a pine cone and expect to get cherries. You can't be a bad lover and expect to have love flow abundantly. Love is here for everyone. If you expect it to look like happiness all the time, you'll miss it. If you expect it to happen to you and require nothing from you, that's not how life works. It's reciprocal. You've got to have skin in the game. So if you want to shine, you have to do some work. Look at how you love. Are you being stingy? Are you chasing it? Are you reducing it to sex and excitement? If you are, 
you're not a good lover. I once asked a guy friend of mine if women could be bad lovers. You hear about how guys are lousy all the time, and I was wondering if that's because women are just so much better at it. He laughed (laughs) like it was a ridiculous question, and then it clicked. Of course we can be poor lovers. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're boring, unimaginative, and checked out in life, of course you're going to be the same in bed. If you're selfish in life, you'll be selfish in bed. If you're all about you in life, of course you will be the same in bed. In and out of bed, I want people in my life to be juicy. I want to be surrounded by healthy lovers. It energizes me, uplifts me, inspires me, and makes it easy to keep lighting my own light shine. When I'm with people who are chasing love and light rather than just enjoying what's here, it feels draining. There's a huge difference in energy of being with a healthy lover and someone who isn't. I have a friend who owns a restaurant who is fabulous at it. You get the sense that he's always genuinely interested in the people who comes into his place. He knows everybody's name. He remembers their favorite things to eat. He chats with them and always has a smile for them. If I come in and I'm expected, he always makes me food that's not on the menu. I'm an appreciative guest and he loves when you love his food. So he makes me the most exotic things and I always love it. So it's his way of loving. My appreciation is my way of returning that love. It's a cycle that keeps on giving. I always feel loved and appreciated when when I'm with him. I don't have to do anything or be anything special. He's just like that with everyone. To be a healthy lover is a gift to everyone around you. So when you plant a flower bed and take care of it out of an attitude of joy and beauty that it gives, that's lovemaking. If we take care of it so that our yard looks good, that's not. So think about lovemaking. When I lay down with somebody, I'm sharing the most intimate space with them. I'm allowing them into my body. It's a doorway to my womb, which is a place where life grows from. That's sacred. Life-giving blood flows from the womb. Babies come from here. Yes, it's for pleasure too, but it's far more than that. I don't want to give that to just anyone. I don't want to be with somebody who doesn't feel the same way about it. Now, I know that people have sex for all kinds of reasons. Maybe it's about feeling less lonely or wanting to feel alive. Some people do it to relax and go to sleep. Some do it to feel power over someone or to hurt others. Everything we can do can be an act of love or express something else. When we're conscious of what we're doing, we can make more effective choices. I can use the heel of a shoe to drive a nail, but maybe a hammer is a better tool. You know what I mean? So... I've talked about what a healthy lover looks like and why some people may not have gotten great examples of that as children and how that impacts their ability to be healthy lovers now. If you're feeling discouraged, don't. The whole reason why I'm here now is an act of love, really. I want everybody to be able to have this. And you can heal the early experiences that taught you to withhold love, chase it, or seek relentlessly for it. It won't happen overnight. But the podcast will give you the head stuff you need to start changing the way you look at things. The Let It Go Now community gives you the actionable steps and experiences that can help you make the shifts to be more in alignment with your true self. Members also have access to our private MeWe group where you can be in community with people who are on the same path as you. Please do not underestimate or underutilize this resource. I was at a spiritual gathering recently and I was exhausted about two hours in because the people there didn't know how to share space well. Energetically, it felt like some people were fighting to be seen and heard and were dominating to make that happen. I don't do well in that energy because my inclination is to be open and present and they were taking too much. So 
it's not wise. My inclination is also to look out for the underdog, and that would have been taking on more than I wanted to do because of the grabby energy of those who are sucking up all the oxygen. The me-we space is not that. <laughs> to be authentic, we have to let go of all the things that are not truly us. Be skillful so we move easily in shared space. And anything outside of your body or home is shared space. And have a safe environment. The me-we space is that safe environment. You can say the things that you don't say in front of other people. You can ask questions. You can check in and let me know how you're doing. Tell me what's meaningful to you. Share inspiration or tell me what you need. I'm happy to talk about what you want to talk about on your journey to freedom and authenticity. And if you need help getting rid of specific triggers that jam you up, reach out to me. I'm available for breakthrough work. One breakthrough session may produce a tiny bit of change that makes you breathe a little easier, or it could remove a thing that dislodges a dam and your whole world changes. There's no way of knowing ahead of time, but they're definitely worthwhile. I know we just started out on the podcast. I'm trying to hit the basic stuff early so that you can have a strong foundation. I deliberately chose the lover as the first archetype to talk about because it's so fundamental. It starts taking shape when we're babies and it can influence us for the rest of our lives. So much flows from here. If we get our lover straight, life's not only easier, but more delicious. And what's the point of being here if it's not delicious? Life's going to be rough sometimes. It can be rough and lovely and meaningful at the same time if our lover's healthy. So let's get there together. Thanks for listening, guys. Don't forget to get your free infographic on attachment styles. You can get that on my website at letitgonow.net. See you next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help the podcast thrive, please share it with others. Post about it on social media or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from Laura Giles, you can follow her on all her socials at Laura Giles 804. See you next time.